Do 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 Creative Crunch. All right, welcome back to another episode of Creative Crunch. I'm your host, Curtis Tucker. Uh, Today we have another exciting interview with another exciting photographer who's hustling and grinding just as hard as Kylie, but in a completely different lane, right? And I just wanted to like have these kind of like back to back, a little love for all my photographers out there, all my videographers out there. Wanted to give you guys a little one two punch with the interviews uh, to kind of keep you motivated. And to keep me motivated too, right? Been going to lots of photo shoots, been generating some income with photography. And so I wanted the podcast to reflect that energy. Wanted to give you guys a little interview with Kylie, who's still working on her education. And then I wanted to give you this interview today with Phil, who's getting an education, but really much a really different education, right? Phil is getting street smart like nobody's business. I interviewed Phil from the van. He was out in California editing photos. I could hear the clicks while he was working. So good for him for getting that creative crunch on, being an interview guest, and also getting those edits done. Uh, Phil's a skateboard photographer and a skateboarder, and he's kind of going into that world and trying to figure it out and live from the van and kind of be mobile and flexible, and wherever the skateboarding's happening, you'll find Phil. And so I kind of went into problem-solving mode a little bit. And I don't know if that's what was planned. I never really planned the interviews, but talked to Phil a lot about passive income and other ways that he could be making money since the skateboarding thing isn't a short-term game, right? The skateboard photography thing for Phil, uh, we talked about in the interview, I think is a really long goal, but he has it. When I asked Phil what his definition of success was, he didn't skip a beat And he said, I want to be in a van with a bunch of stinky dudes getting paid to ride around, skateboard, and capture sweet content for them, right? So that's a goal, and Phil has a goal, and it was very clear, and he articulated it extremely well. And so that's kind of what let me know that that was his long game, right? I was practicing my active listening skills, and immediately when he said that, it clicked for me that this skateboarding thing is a long game. And it's also one of those industries that seems to be suffering from the paradox of free photography. With other things that we've talked about, like aspiring models and other things like TFP, photography and photographers can very easily compromise their value and just start giving things away for free and can kind of get caught in that, right? What I'm trying to do with my photography practice is really balance the TFP uh, and free photography gigs and turn them into generating income events, right? The only example I have of this right now is the headshots that I did at Odessa, Denver. That has led to a couple other leads, um, and the free photography led to a lot of donations, right? So I set up the avenues so that I could generate income from it, and I had to use my marketing and communication knowledge in order to do that. 
And so that's kind of what I talked to Phil about a little bit in the interview. So Phil and I talked about passive income for photographers like stock photography and things like that. I also was curious about the van life and how that's going. So we're just going to go ahead and roll the first part of the interview. Here it is, Phil McKenzie talking about the van life. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, My name is Phil McKenzie. I'm a skateboarding photographer originally from Denver, Colorado. Um, Just graduated school from CU Boulder in May of this year, 2018, um, with a degree in web development, more or less. And uh, I was getting a little bit burnt out working and going to school for the last two and a half, three years. And so I decided to really just... uh, go full on into skateboarding photography, which is what I've been doing, um, the entire time I've been school in school for the last four years. And, uh, I'm out here currently in California living in my van and, uh, chasing that dream. Yeah. And, uh, does the van have a name? No, dude, I never named the van. I haven't never been much of the type to like name stuff. Okay. Um, and what was kind of the journey? Did you just like beeline to California? So, no, it was pretty, uh, pretty long. It actually took me about a month to even get into California. So I went from Denver. Um, and my first night I stayed in Salt Lake. The second night I stayed in Boise. And then in the third night I stayed just outside of Seattle. Um, then I spent about half a week in Seattle and then about a week and a half in Portland and then started meandering my way down through California. Okay. And now how much of this was like planned ahead of time? Um, the entire first month was planned. So Seattle and Portland were planned out. Um, and then I had planned a trip to YMCA skate camp, which is just outside of Fresno. Um, and then after that I had planned going to San Francisco, which I did. And then after that, it was totally up in the air. I could kind of do whatever I wanted. Um, and so I hung out in San Francisco for a little bit and then started going down South from there. Gotcha. And it's just from what I've seen on Instagram, it's just kind of been like skate park hopping within like a couple other stops in between. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. The skate parks are mostly just for me, um, to go cruise around and kind of do some skating myself. Um, but you know, I've been trying to go out with a lot of other skaters just to shoot photos as well. And I've been doing a fair bit of that too. Good. So like, uh, what I would call like thrasher kind of skating, I guess. So yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Like find, find your own spot. And yeah, I did a fair bit of spot searching yesterday with one of my friends in a town called Temecula. We went to a couple of the high schools and stuff like that, looking for spots cause they always have them. Um, but yeah, I know a little bit of searching out ourselves, looking for different spots, rolling with new guys who know spots and stuff along those lines. Okay. So I'm really curious. What are like the top three skatable things that people wouldn't think are skatable? Oh man, that's kind of a hard one. Um, I would say number one for me is curbs. Most people just see like a curb in a parking lot and they're like, whatever. They don't really think much of it. But skaters notice, is it painted? Is it angled? Is it long? Does it have cracks in it? Is there a gutter in front of it? Things all along those lines. Um, Curbs are super skatable. A lot of people like those, especially out here because they're 
they're just a little bit better than the ones back in Colorado. Um, but I would definitely say curbs are at the top of the list. Okay. And do you go as far as like, do you carry your own little repair kit so that you can like bondo things over or like pop off the no skate metal things that they put on? Man, I'm not quite there. Um, I got a little bit of wax and usually the thing is too, like when it comes to curbs and stuff out here, um, they're generally speaking pretty good. So I don't really need to worry about that. And there's so many of them that if it's a bad one, I don't even worry about it. Um, but there were a couple spots, um, that we found yesterday that were good to potentially kind of go back and maybe pop off a skate stopper, but I don't have any of that stuff. And my friend I was rolling with decided it probably wasn't worth it. Um, but people definitely do do that out here. Um, it's, it is one way to make spots skatable. It's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And is that kind of like your go-to? Do you prefer that over a park? Uh, for shooting photos, you mean? Yeah, I guess so. I could ask that question. Yeah, like being out in the streets, definitely. Yeah. Um, so sometimes shooting photos at a park is okay, but it's usually kind of frowned upon um, just in terms of like using the photo for an ad or something like that. I mean, it's kind of like... I don't know a good analogy, but it's just, it's just not as cool as a photo that's like in a backyard pool or at a street spot or something along those lines. Cause skate parks are all made to skate. The ground is really smooth. Things are usually pretty perfect at all of them. Um, and people generally prefer photos that are like out in the streets or somewhere a little bit more gritty. Okay. It, it, my brain goes to like uh, product photography. Nobody really wants like that white backdrop kind of thing anymore they like want the coffee to be poured or like for the mug to get used and like they want those kind of product shots now it's a lot like that yeah yeah because you can't sell a thrasher t-shirt if the guy is like in a smooth bowl and there's like a fence in the background and you can see like the suburban houses like wheel park like i think about when we were hanging out at wheel park like that might be a lot of that might be easy or like as a photographer i would approach that to like practice and maybe like build relationships but exactly like you're saying like i don't know if i would put those photos up for sale exactly that's the way to do it because no one really likes photos from skate parks you know and that's where everybody goes just to warm up before they go out in the streets or something just to have fun um but you know it's generally not an in destination and unless some dude's gonna do something really crazy there that you could only do like at that particular skate park or something like that yeah and now since we're talking about it i'm kind of curious what is the process for you as a photographer? What are sort of your revenue sources right now? And how do you go about getting your photo into a magazine or something like that? So I'll start with the first half, uh, talking about revenue stuff. Um, not much. There's not much of a revenue stream in terms of skateboarding photography. It's, uh, it's really just there's only really one magazine right now, which is Thrasher. And I don't mean to discount any of the other ones, but there's a lot of other good small zines. Um, but in terms of big skateboarding magazines that will buy photos of pros and you could actually theoretically make a living working for them and stuff. Um, there's really only one right now. Um, and so it's pretty hard out here because a lot of those guys working for 
Thrasher right now is staff photographers. They're also staff photographers for other brands and distribution companies and stuff like that. And so they're kind of double or triple dipping into the into the skate world. And it's really eating up a lot of the opportunities for other photographers. And, um, you know, I think Instagram in particular has consolidated a lot of those magazines, um, pretty much into like content aggregation accounts and stuff along those lines. And it's making it a lot harder to actually make money out here. Um, so truthfully, I'm not selling many photos while I'm out here on the road. I'm trying to, um, you know, trying to run stuff by companies, shoot with big writers, they have sponsors that would, you know, buy photos for ads and stuff along those lines. Um, but it, it's pretty difficult to actually make that happen. Hmm. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but are they too specific to even list on like stock photography websites? Uh, probably for the most part. I'm not sure. I mean, it's definitely the kind of photos that brands that would turn to a stock photography site for skateboarding photos should be using. I mean, because if you go to Target, you'll see some pretty terrible like skateboarding photos that you know, anybody who actually rides a skateboard could tell you is wrong for so many reasons. But, um, you know, I don't know. I haven't really tried that route. Um, you know, I've been way more focused on the route of trying to get stuff in front of the eyes of people running brands and, uh, running magazines. Okay. And so then what, what's that process like? So, you know, it, it kind of, takes a while you have to start to get to know people and like you were saying i spent spend even now a fair bit of time just cruising around skate parks looking for dudes who um, are pretty good kind of seeing if they're gonna go skate later somewhere that isn't a skate park and maybe try to link up with them then um and you know you just got to go shoot with people who are doing stuff that's cool enough to make it into a magazine or they themselves are big enough of a name that magazines care about what they're doing um, and then once you're there, you can usually kind of ask them like, Oh, do you know anybody at such and such magazine? And you can kind of start submitting stuff and they'll tell you pretty much like, Oh, this is good. Or this isn't. And sometimes if you're lucky, they'll tell you more what they're looking for. Um, you know, and that way you can start to work with a certain magazine in mind. Mm, okay. Um, I'm curious, to know if uh, skate shops are still a thing? Are they still pivotal in the community? Or is it really like you're saying, kind of like these one-on-one relationships now where kind of, it sounds like to me, all the middlemen have kind of been removed. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So skate, skate shops are definitely still around, but they're pretty much in the same boat as I am in terms of like getting less and less and less opportunities because of changing technology. And so, you know, in the same way as the photographers being, you know, kind of threatened by Instagram, um, and, you know, content aggregator sites where no one's paying for any content whatsoever. And it all just goes online for free. Skate shops are being threatened by other online shops who are, you know, going direct to consumer and can, offer maybe better deals. And, you know, since they have such a large inventory, they frequently do sales and stuff like that. Whereas most skate shops are really small. I mean, it's one or two people working there usually. Um, and so it can be pretty hard to be a skate shop owner. And so, you know, skate shops are there. Unfortunately they're closing down. There's far more skate shops closing down every day than are opening. 
Um, and it's really is a struggle just to keep a shop open these days. But in terms of linking up with people, um, you know, I've, before I came out here, I did a lot of reaching out and calling skate shops and calling, um, representatives, sales representatives or brands and stuff along those lines. Cause they usually will give certain people and, um, skate scenes product if they're good enough. And so they usually know who's really good. And, you know, I was reaching out to a bunch of reps and skate shops and really, for the most part, they were just like, Oh yeah. Like, I don't really know who's around right now. You're better off just going to the park. This is where these guys usually hang out and then just go see if they're there. And so I didn't have many skate shops that were actually telling me like, Oh, you know, go talk to this guy. He's around and he always wants to shoot photos. Um, so yeah, it really is pretty much up to you as the individual going to a skate shop will help you get, um, maybe a feel for an area. You can ask them where, you know, like, Oh, I've seen this spot in photos and I know it's near here. Do you know where it is? And they might point you in that direction, but yeah, your best bet is still just those one-on-one relationships. And, you know, even Instagram is really great because sometimes I'm going somewhere new. Um, I'll look at a skate shop's feed and see if they're sharing videos or photos of certain writers. And if they are, I'll reach out to them directly. Um, and so that's, that's one way that it's been really helpful. Yeah, that is really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm stalking you on Instagram right now. <laughs> I like your branded hashtag. I did an episode on that. Yeah, that's, I've, I just started doing that. I felt like, you know, it might help. I don't really know with what, but I feel like I should have a hashtag. Yeah. Well, it, it, it helps when like, you know, the people that you're taking photos of use it as well too. Yeah. I need to get them to actually start doing that. (laughs) Yeah. And what's really cool is like, you can even use it like in an Instagram story and then it'll put that with the hashtag as well too. Yeah. So you could get like your adventure from multiple people's phones or whatever. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, That's a good way to do it. The, I mean, and I'm just curious about this because I went down a YouTube rabbit hole the other night of passive income sources for photographers. And I found this guy who, you know, was preaching about stock photography and things like that. But then I found this guy who was talking about this service called Blackbox, which is stock video. And yeah, it was really fascinating. And it honestly, it made me think of you because it was the YouTube guy. And then the guest was the founder of this company. And the entire time that they're filming this YouTube, the founder is taking video with his iPhone on a gimbal. And he's filming the things that like, I think tipped me off was when like you said, skateboarders look at curbs. Like this guy was taking video, like panning shots, textbook camera angle sweeps and things like that of the bushes, reflections in windows, people walking, um, you know, and it, and it just really made me think about you because I know you're busy and you're grinding and you've got like a lot going on, but it sounds like there's like these moments too in between where like, maybe you could just start making money off a of stock photo and video of all these beautiful places that you can take the van, like, you know, and like hell, it makes me even think of like, when you're driving around taking, you know, putting the camera on the dashboard or sticking it out various windows so that you're getting those kind of stuff. Uh, you know, cause it, it just, it made me think so differently. Um, you know, as, as someone who's fairly still new to this photography thing, 
I kind of consider it all done or the process finished when files go onto a hard drive. And it was that YouTube rabbit hole and a recent photography exhibition at the art museum that have really got, well, and this other Instagrammer that have really gotten me to think about like going back and like digging things up again. And like, do I just have shots of flowers and trees and the general landscape where I'm standing or like the skate park where you're standing or whatever, as well as all of these amazing skate photos. And you could come up with a secret name so that nobody even knows it's you, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I didn't I didn't even think about passive income. And that's just my own naivety with the industry. Because for me, a photographer is someone there in the moment documenting a thing. And it was very interesting to see like the founder of Black Box using an iPhone on a gimbal and just making money all day. And now they, I, I might have to dig this video up because there was kind of like some sales pitch uh, that the, or like some kind of marketing language that they kept using over and over. And again, they were stressing it's about building up a library, right? And having lots of different things. But like that, I mean, you, I can't even imagine how many scenes, landscapes, people, interactions you have in a day, you know, living the van life. Yeah. And all of these cool spots too, you know, and now you're adding travel to it. So it just made me think of that. Cause yeah, you know, and it's cool that you have found that passion of like skateboarding and to like hyper-focus it and want to develop that. But maybe there's like something else going on that we're just not even looking at, you know, cause you're so, yeah. And I mean, it's cool that you're focused on your goal and that you do have that goal, but maybe it's one of those instances where you're like so focused on it. You're missing a sweet ass paycheck. That's like standing next to you, you know? <laughs> and I just, I was giggling because like the YouTuber was giving him shit for using an iPhone on a gimbal, but he had a point that I completely agree with. If 90% of the video is consumed on that device, then 90% of the, yeah, what does it matter? Like, is am I really going to be able to tell that you're using a full frame camera with like a huge cinematic lens on my iPhone? You know, like, and even if I, even if I do know, like, do I, do I care? <laughs> and it was, it was just so funny. It was like the bushes and it was like, uh, the buildings and they did have some good tips of like, you know, like looking for like story building moments or like how to tell a story, but you could be telling skate stories. Cause I'm just, I'm trying to think like who would even need that. Like maybe there's like a neighborhood association that wants to like pitch the skate park or like a city that wants to pitch it and they need photos or like a helmet company or like any just like, Oh my God, you know how many people are trying to start clothing companies, you know, and all you have to do is put your skateboard dude in a white t-shirt that's easily photoshoppable and you can just mm -hmm. sell that thing a million times. Yeah, dude, it could work. I mean, the problem is though, too, a lot of, I mean, there's been a precedent set in the skateboarding world where no one pays for anything in the last couple of years. Um, and so like a lot of those small companies would rather use you know, some mediocre content that they got for free than pay for something that's good. 
Um, and so it's kind of hard because, you know, like I was saying again, you know, I think that your idea of shooting somebody in like a white t-shirt would work because then, you know, eventually I could just, um, maybe start using that photo over and over again. But at the same time too, a lot of these companies have writers that they want. So they'd want their guy in that shirt. And so, you know, it would maybe work as a stand in, but I think eventually, you know, it's like a lot of these people want the people that they're sponsoring, be wearing their clothes and stuff. And so it can be really hard, especially in the skateboarding world to like make content along those lines, because you usually have to work with someone specific. We're going to take a quick break from the interview to do a little in-house advertising. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like what you hear and you think your creative crunch has improved because of what's been talked about on the podcast, please consider leaving a review. If you're listening on Spotify, hit that share button and tweet this, or even better, put it on your Instagram stories with one of those awesome trending GIFs. Sharing Creative Crunch is a great way to help me grow this thing organically and help more creative people get better at their hustle. Thanks so much. Here's the rest of the interview with Phil McKenzie. And that's why I'm like, my brain is starting to think outside of that world, right? Well, like how many, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. How many uh, single men between the ages of 18 and 30 are starting an action lifestyle brand, right? Like, you know, that want, that want that, that don't know anybody in skateboarding, that don't know anybody like you and would happily pay 99 cents or 100 credits to have that photo. You know, that that's who I'm thinking about. Right. It's because you're saying that the people you're around are now accustomed to free, which has happened to a lot of industries like go look somewhere else. I've been curious, you know, and doing a lot of research into Fiverr recently, you know, like what services and yeah, like what services and things can I do? that are applicable to Fiverr. You know, I have access to a recording studio at my public library. I know a little bit of design. I'm getting a little bit better with video editing. You know, is, is there something on one of those kind of websites, you know? And so it's just, it's a, what I, what I'm hearing you say is like, it's, you have this passion, but it sucks because the industry that supports this passion doesn't value your creativity. So my brain is trying to think about like, how can you be around that lifestyle and maybe cash in with a different audience? You know, like when we were together, we were talking a lot about like, just like fashion in general and like how you were curious about that. And like, personally, I have, and enjoy a lot of photos from that day are of like people's outfits or like true authentic skate shoes, you know, and you were the one who told me like, Oh yeah, people are paying other people to wear them around and like get them busted up, you know? And like, so, so maybe it's photos like that appeal to fashion Instagrams or fashion accounts. And like, you can start the process all over and like renegotiate, you know, or something like that. And like 
find an industry who wants to be around that action yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, maybe a change. Wants your uh, media. Change your know? direction a little bit, but without really changing my content. Yeah, as like. Much. You know, I, I use the phrase like shifting your lens, you know, like you're you're at the skate park, but maybe like maybe you kind of I don't know. It's weird to say, but like maybe you ignore the skateboarders for 30 minutes, you know, like what else what else is going on? You know, like I and I always think of like when we went to California, we went to that really famous skate park. I think that's at like Venice Beach. Right. And like the graffiti, the street art, the muscle people, who are the people watching the skateboarders, right? Like, what are they into? What are they dressed like? You know, like I've always kind of considered myself to be a bit of a poser because I love people like you. I love the fashion and the expressiveness and I love the diversity and I love that anybody can buy a skateboard, but I mean, do I dare do what you guys do? No, like, (laughs) you know, like, I pushed a longboard around for two summers, but like, that was it, you know, but I still, I want to be, I want to be around that. And, you know, like, that's why I want, I enjoy talking to you and like following your Instagram is because I see you as like an influencer, you know, for using that word. And because you're not a hundred percent focused on skating, I think that's your competitive advantage, you know, like being a photographer and having that eye I think there's something there. Yeah, dude, I definitely, you know, trying to spin it. And the thing is, though, too, it's like I've got I could go do web development, you know, and like I said, I've got quite a bit of experience with that, Um, you know, and I've been kind of flirting around with different layout jobs and stuff along those lines. And so I'm trying to kind of just also consider a different route which is keep the skateboarding but pivot out of photography a little bit um and pursue you know some different jobs that are in the industry that maybe again you know i could re-pivot back into photography yeah and i would also be curious like i think you should take a little list of like people you've worked with in the past and sort of just compare your social media strategy to theirs Because I think there could also be money in you, like, what I'm trying to develop is, like, photography for social media, right? And I think you've got that eye, too. So maybe there's, like, skateboarders who would pay 20 bucks to, like, have an afternoon workshop, you know, on, like, how to make your Instagram look better, you know, or something like that, you know. Or maybe it's, like, you start working more intimately with, like, I don't know what the phrase would be, but I would say like pro amateur skateboarders, maybe people who aren't like, Mm -hmm. is that a thing? Maybe people who aren't like, well, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. It's amateurs is like, you know, like the dudes who are really good, but don't have their name. on. Yeah. Or is it like maybe have like one sponsor, but aren't like fully taken care of, you know? And like, or like, are, are like, are of like like your brain right like do you see how like your brain is working and like wanting to solve this there has to be a skateboarder who's like okay there has to be a better way to do my instagram to get in front of people's eyes and and maybe there's Mm -hmm. some revenue stream for you in that game 
Cause you know, I like, I think you're in the same position, right? Like people want to, if I'm a skateboarder, I want to work with you because your photos are better than the ones my homie takes on the iPhone. Is it's that kind of like yeah. general, like, am I generalizing that too much? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like I said, again, it just depends because, you know, a lot of people don't even care about photos that much either these days. They'd rather just have some some clip filmed on an iPhone that they can put on their Instagram and that's it. You know, they can set to some some rap music and, you know, and that's that. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, the other thing as well. It's like a lot of people, it's like, sure, they, they like the results of the photos I take with them and stuff, but, um, you know, they don't like them enough to really do anything about okay. it. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. That's see now you're making me want to bust out like the note cards and the red string because I think there's something in there. I would spend some time dissecting those relationships and like meditating a little bit, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I don't know where it is, but like it's it sounds just like to me it sounds like the value needs to get communicated, and it's just like because mm-hmm. I don't know like. I'm walking around doing street photography in Denver. And this thing that I'm noticing is like, there's like six high schoolers. They're all like in hype beast mode, right? Like they're all flexing. They've all got good outfits. And one, one person Mm -hmm. has one of those Sony mirrorless cameras. Right. And I know that it's like, okay, I'm going to be the camera guy for the group. And we're all going to have like fire Instagram content. Like I know that's what's happening. And so it's like almost like you kind of maybe need to like, and I'm just spitballing here, but like you need to like start your own team, you know, or something like that. And like really start searching for these skateboarders who, who get it and sort of like, like, would you say, I'm curious now, like, what would you say is your divide between like working with a skateboarder one time and like how many like repeat clients you have um i mean usually if i work with them once i'll work with them multiple times so it's not like it's more so just depending on people's schedules okay okay it's not so much like i i'm like oh you know i only work with this guy one time or anything like that or vice versa it's really just a scheduling thing so i think there's something in that that could really help you keep doing this van life thing yeah, I think that, yeah, definitely. I think you know, it's it just depends on how many uh, things I can be doing to actually make money because you know, student dude, loans you are and coming I both, soon. I've got till November. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> man. But okay, so now I want to unpack this a little bit. Uh, why the van? How did that come to be the solution? Um, because well, first off, I don't have to pay rent, um, and so that's a big reason. Um, and second, uh, it's the easiest way to get around. I mean, I could have gone and just got an apartment in Long Beach, and you know, because that's a good place to be if you're a skateboarder, and just tried to meet up with people and make stuff happen. Um, but 
you know, then I would have been stuck in Long Beach and I couldn't have gone other places. And I really wanted to come out here and explore and figure out where the best places to go were. So being in a van was just a natural choice um, because, you know, I can where I park it is where I'm at, you know, because I've got a bed and back and it's home. And so I can just kind of go wherever I need to or wherever I want to go. All right. And I'm just curious, how, how, how has it been? What's been like an unexpected thing that's come up or... What are you really enjoying about it? You know, it's been, it's been good. Um, I've made my van to be pretty stealthy, meaning that when you look at it, you're not, you wouldn't guess that there's a bed in back and there might be somebody sleeping in there at any given time. Um, and that's really worked to my advantage because, you know, unlike people there in like huge sprinter vans, um, I can just park in any residential neighborhood that I'd like and just stay there. You know, I try not to just park like right in front of people's houses, but I could if I needed to. Um, and that's been really nice. And that's part of, you know, the reason I chose to do like a little minivan. Um, but, you know, as far as like unexpected things go, you know, it's like I got keyed once, but other than that, you know, really not much people have, you know, haven't really known that I've been in the car. I haven't had any issues. Um, no one's knocked on my door and told me, Hey, you can't sleep here or whatever, anything like that. Um, and so it's actually gone really smooth and I did a ton of mechanical work to the car before I left just to avoid any, you know, breakdowns in the middle of California or anything like that. And so far it's been holding up really well, like really solid, no issues. Um, and so, yeah, it's been actually smoother than I was expecting. Uh, I guess the only real setback so far is now my sliding door kind of broke, but I got a new part for that and I just need to fix it. <laughs> Do you, have you, have you yeah, spent so the night in a Walmart good. parking lot? No Walmart parking <laughs> lots yet. Still none. Surprisingly, I mean, like everybody's always, always telling me, it's like, oh yeah, you can just stay in any Walmart parking lot. Surprisingly, that might not be as true as a lot of people think it is because um you know with walmart parking lots it's dependent on the the city and county that you're in and a lot of the times those especially along um the touristy routes like the pacific coast highway um they will have pretty strict rules against people sleeping in their car in the city anywhere um but you know, Walmart, Walmart can't do anything about that, whether it's their company policy or an individual store's policy that they would like to have you be able to sleep in your car. Um, the city okay. would say no, you know, um, man, I don't know. My, my brain is all over the place. So I'm just, <laughs> this is just, it, it's fascinating. Okay. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I'm curious because, you know, like the podcast is all about like the hustle and the grind and like and doing it, you know, and like that's why I wanted to have you on, because like in my eyes, you're doing it, you know, um, I'm out here sweating my ass off every day in the sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, um, I, I mean, if you're like me, it sounds like you're much happier doing this, even though you're compromising what I think a lot of people would say is the traditional definition of success. So I'll ask you this question that I've been asking a lot of people, what is your definition of success? I don't know, man. It would probably be to be in a van with a bunch of stinky dudes right now, just traveling around shooting skate photos on a, on a trip. 
um, you know, just going around the United States, going, you know, around the world, wherever it may be, that would definitely be my definition of success is, uh, just being out there with my friends, skating, shooting photos and getting paid to do it. Okay. So it sounds like the only thing missing is that last little chunk. Yeah, exactly. You're like 90%, 80% there. Yeah, but that last 10% is pretty hard to, to get, well, you know. Consistency is key, you know, and you're doing it as as long as you're... Exactly. I mean, I'm huge on that, too. I It bugs the hell out of me, like, when my camera is just sitting on the shelf and, you know, like, I don't have anything scheduled coming up or anything like that, you know, like, because you and I know how much money goes into that equipment and, like, it's, it's, it's not working if it's... It's not earning if it's just sitting there, you know. Uh, but I really, you know, I honestly do think like, I think you're just, I say this about a lot of people who are just doing it. You're light years ahead of everyone else. Who's even listening to this podcast right now, you know, and who's thinking about doing that thing, you know, like you're actually doing it. And so I think with time, that last 10% will just fall into place, you know? Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah, I just need to stay out here and keep working as much as I can and hope things will just kind of work out, you know. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Phil. If you want to find Phil on Instagram, it's at Phil McKenzie photo. Go check out that sweet editorial content. You don't have to just like skateboarding. Phil's really getting into communicating the lifestyle around skateboarding and the lifestyle around van life. And I think we're going to see a really cool shift in Phil's uh, content in the next coming weeks. Um, It's more and more like a magazine layout spread and things like that. And so um, if you are interested in any of that, go check out at Phil McKenzie photo. His website's in his bio. His branded hashtag is in his bio. Phil's doing it. All he has to do is get that about him page. uh, So Phil's really doing it. The only thing that he's missing is getting that about me page updated on his website. Um, I would love to see a photo of the van there and uh, see you talking about van life and possibly even blogging about van life. I think that's a huge missed opportunity. Uh, But otherwise, Phil's doing it. 100% 100% support Phil and his vision and what he's doing. Uh, if you like him and you like this story and you like this interview, go show him some love and support. Hire him to do some web development. If you're a skateboarder, Venmo him a couple of bucks if he takes photos of you. Change the culture in a positive way. Support the creative people around you. Phil's busting his ass, and there's no reason that you can't be throwing him 5 to 20 bucks, especially if he's working with you for an hour. So let's change the culture around that, skateboarders. How about that? Uh, value your creative people because they might disappear, and you don't want that. We don't want to lose Phil. We don't want to lose Phil to something corporate, right? We want to help him, support him, and uh, let him be creative. So thanks so much for listening to Creative Crunch. Again, I'm your host, Curtis Tucker. If you like what you hear and you think the advice has been helpful, click that listener support button on anchor.fm slash creative crunch and consider making a 99 cent recurring donation. It would really help Creative Crunch grow. And if you can't do that, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or share this to your Instagram on Twitter through Spotify. Have a great day and we'll see you next week.